This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. It is a Harbor at Home Sunday, and I am really excited to be joining you in your small group today. It's the start of a brand new year, and we have begun a brand new series. If you weren't with us last week, the title is Counter Culture, and the purpose behind it is simple. It's to build you up as a friend of God in the beliefs and the values of the kingdom. You know, Society, today's culture, has a very loud voice. It's constantly conveying to us its beliefs in the hopes of aligning everybody on the planet with the value system of the world. But as friends of God, you and I have been called to live different. We've been called to live counter-culture. And hear me. As we do, we'll begin to see that everything that we were created for starts to materialize in our lives. So we, I would love to jump in now. We are going to be in Matt, the book of Matthew in chapter 5 and in uh, chapter 22. If you want to grab your Bibles and head over there or pull out your Bible app, because I'm going to ask you to actually... Just really make some notes, anything that might jump out at you, because we want to use this. Have you used what we teach you in these times to have like for fuel for your dialogue in your small groups? So let me pray real quick. Father, I thank you for a new year. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for the good plans that you have for all of us. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to manifest your presence in a greater way and to help us engage our hearts to God through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's jump in. Today, we are going to talk about success. Now, I want to start by telling you this. God made you for success. You can't repent for it. You can't repent for your desire to do great things or to be a part of great things. God actually put that longing, that hunger on the inside of your spirit. He's given you uh, dreams. He's put passions on the inside of you. And his will is to see them materialize. The challenge is when we go after those things in ways that he hasn't authorized. Or when we go, when we look at success, we go after it um, to, to feed us in some way or to, uh, to talk to us or to give us our personal value. Yeah, those are the areas where there's a challenge. Now, culture, um, culture has a lot to say about ex- success. And I just wanted to start with a biblical, uh, with a dictionary definition of the word. And so that would be getting or achieving wealth, fame, respect, or social status. Now, um, a few of you are familiar with my story. I didn't grow up um, in the church, so I didn't have any type of uh, picture or a definition of success other than what the world provided to me. And so I grew up like 
many of you just being in the world today, we hear it all the time, listening to how success, uh, how the world um, judges success. It, it would be things like um, who you are, who you know, what you do, how much you make. Um, nowadays, it would be how many followers you have, uh, how young you are, how thin you are, what kind of car you drive how many cars you drive. These are the things that I grew up with as just my pattern, my understanding, my definition of what success was. And so I jumped in. I jumped in with all my might. I uh, worked really hard. I made a lot of money. I purchased uh, my first house at 25. I drove the sports car. I uh, ate traveled to any place I wanted to go, ate at restaurants, had relationships with famous people. Here, here's what I want you to hear, though, as I say that. None of those things, in all actuality, are bad in and of themselves. But after I met Jesus and I started to grow as a friend of his, he started to show me how my um, most authentic, uh, my most authentic person, my, the, the most authentic version of myself was actually getting lost in the type of success that I had been used to. It was um, actually numbing me in certain ways to some of the pain and the disappointment that I had experienced throughout my whole life. And God wanted to heal me of that. And the way that he began healing me of it is by giving me his definition of success. So God's definition of, of success is to be have a life that's fully engaged with love. It's the engagement of our lives with love. Like a lot of you who didn't grow up in the church, when I uh, did start coming into community with the, the body of Christ, I learned a lot of... Um, I learned a lot of things that didn't necessarily sound like God's definition of success. Um, I heard things like, here, let me share a few of them and, and you tell me if you've ever heard them or, or if, um, if you've even thought them yourself. So um, the, first, the first thing I think that I heard was probably, um, you're successful if you're married. And then you're successful if you have kids. Well, you're successful if your kids, you have kids who follow the Lord. <laughs> um, you're successful if you have a ministry. You're successful if you have a big ministry. <laughs> These are some of the things that I learned when I first came into the, the church. But again, in order to be successful, we need to understand God's definition of success. You know, as I was, as I was putting this um, message together, I was reminded of a, um, an old testimony. It was a testimony that, um, that a brother had shared years ago about two visions that he had gotten from the Lord. And I want to share them with you. And here's why they're a good example of how counterculture God's view of success is, even to those of us who are in the church. So the visions Two of them. The first one, um, the brother, this guy who had the visions, he saw a young man 
in the first vision. He was loving God. He was loving people. He was praying for the sick. He was evangelizing. He had a whole bunch of zeal. In the second vision, he saw a picture of a homeless man and a cat. Stay with me. (laughs) A cat walked in front of the homeless man and he was about to kick him. And then he stopped and he didn't. And the Lord broke into the second vision and he asked the brother this. He said, which of these is greater in my kingdom? The man immediately said, well, obviously the guy who's evangelizing for you and moving, you know, he's working for you for the kingdom. But listen to the reply that the man got from the Lord in that vision. God said, no, that man grew up in a solid home. He was loved. He had amazing parents. He went to a great Bible college. He was given a hundred percent love, but he was only using 75% of it. The homeless man was born deaf. And as a child, he was locked in a room on his own until authorities found him and they took him away. And then from there, he went from one foster home to another. And he never knew love. After that, he ended up on the street and he was given 3% love. And he used all of that love not to kick the cat. Guys, as a church, we need to get God's definition of love worked into our spirits to be truly successful we have to live engaging all of our lives with love. And that happens in two distinct ways. The first way is loving God. And the second way is loving others. You know, the scripture verse you're in Matthew, go to chapter 22 in Matthew 22 verses 36 through 39. We read this. Someone comes to Jesus and they ask him a question and they say, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Luke adds in and all of your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, kingdom success kingdom success at its highest level is the development of our lives to actually love like God. So let's talk about how God loves. God loves God. God loves people. God loving God. God, the father loves Jesus. He loves Holy spirit. Jesus loves the father and the spirit. Holy Spirit loves the Father and the Son. In the beginning, self-sufficient, needing nothing, they experienced the full measure of love between themselves. It was such an overwhelming experience. It was so rich in their experience of one another in this place of love that Genesis 1 tells us they turned and they said, let's make people. Let's make man in our image in essence so that people can learn to love like us. And out of the overflow of that, 
we as the Trinity could have an entire planet that loves like we do. Oh, God loves God, but God loves people. It's everywhere. God also loves people. It's everywhere in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, page after page. It didn't just start at John three sixteen, but we'll get there in a second. Page after page, we, we can read of the passion that the Trinity has for humanity. It's a love that possessed them since before there was time. My favorite um, Old Testament uh, revelation of this, this passionate love that God has for people is found in Jeremiah 31 in the third verse. And it's where God says through the prophet, he's like, he looks at humanity and he, and he says his people and he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore, because of that great passion, I have drawn you. I've drawn you straight to myself with tender mercies and with loving kindness. Mm, guys, God loves people. That's why John three sixteen. That great love possessed him to give his greatest, his greatest gift, his greatest, um, the thing that made, the, the one that made his heart come alive most, and that was his son. He gave Jesus for the sake of all humanity. The point that I want to make right now, before we start our, to wrap up, is that God loves with his all. He gave everything. He's possessed this love since the beginning, but at, there was a culmination of time. There was a point in time where he's just like, I want everybody on the planet to experience this type of love. So I'm going to send my son. God loves with his all. And through the cross, he empowers us to love with our all. That's the message of Matthew 22. This is success from a kingdom perspective. All right. As we're getting ready to wrap up, I want to show you the most thorough scriptural definition of success. Why don't you turn to chapter five in the book of Matthew? We are going to go over the first 10 verses. I know it's a lot of scripture, but I just want you to hang with me here and actually be ready like to, to take a note if Holy Spirit says something to you because it's such a rich area. Again, it's, I'm presenting it to you as the most thorough scriptural definition of success. In Matthew chapter 5, we read, Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those, blessed are the, perse are, are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness', righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Guys, this is the lifestyle every friend of God is going after. The Beatitudes, eight beautiful attitudes. When they're embraced, 
they actually help us, if they're they're embraced in a practical way, they actually help us to develop our lives to love like God. And remember, that's the kingdom success at its highest level. But they're also a place where friends of God can find the one that they love. Let me show you. Look back in those verses with me. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is poor in spirit. In John 5, 19, he says, I can do nothing apart from my Father. The next verse, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus mourned. I'm seeing the picture of him in Matthew 23, 37, when he's standing outside the gate of the city and he's looking and he starts to weep and he's like, how I have longed to draw you. My people, I have this desire to draw you like a mother hen draws her chicks for protection under her wings, but you were not willing. Like some translations say, you won't let me. Jesus mourned. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. Jesus is meek. In uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he actually defines himself as meek and lowly. In verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus carried both of those things. I'm thinking about John chapter 4. I, I, I believe it's the 34th verse where he's standing at a well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's standing at a well and he starts to to tell the, the woman at the well that the after he meets, one more time, after he meets with the woman at the well and his disciples come back, he starts to tell his friends that the, the very food that he lives for, the food that sustains him is to do the will of the Father. Verse seven, blessed are the merciful. He is merciful. James 5.11 and Hebrews 2.17 confirm it. You can go and look it up for yourselves later. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Guys, Jesus' purity of heart is matchless. It's the very source that empowers us to become the pure and spotless bride that's been prophesied in the scriptures. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. We know him as our Prince of Peace. He's the one who's made peace between God and all of humanity. He is the one who's left us his own nature so that we don't have to be troubled or afraid in our hearts. And lastly, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. This is our Jesus. His is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Before we, we tune out and I, and I have you go and, and dialogue about what you, you've heard here today with your group, I just want to point out something about that, that, beautiful ver- uh, that beautiful word, blessed. You've seen it eight times. I just read it to you twice. <laughs> blessed in the, uh, in the original language, well, we know what blessed means, it's, uh, but it's more than just being favored or prosperous or, or happy, some translations say. In the original language, It actually means this, to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God. True success. As always, you are going to see a couple of questions that come up on your screen. 
I pray that as you go in and dialogue about the things that I've talked about today, that the Lord would bless you in your, your fellowship and your conversations. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.